Welcome to Beyond the Frontline Podcast, where your hosts, U.S. Air Force veterans, Donna Hoffmeyer and Jay Johnson, will help you transition from the front line to the home front. Listen every other Wednesday as they will bring great conversations, resources, tips, and feel-good stories that will resonate and relate. Now, here's your hosts, Donna Hoffmeyer and Jay Johnson. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Beyond the Front Lines. My name is Jay Johnson, one of your co-hosts for this podcast, and I am excited, as always, to be sitting here in studio with the one, the only, no longer what we used to refer to her, but now the new, the only, Donna Hoffmeyer. You didn't say queen. I I'm forgot. not going to say queen anymore. That's I forgot my shirt. Oh, don't I wear the shirt. I to wear it. It's a baseball shirt, and it says queen on it. Those that are following us, they knew without anything having to be said, but you still brought it in. They're like, he's not going to say queen, and then you said it. I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, it's fun. Look, you've been out, uh, you and family have been out gallivanting around the world. Again. What's going on with you guys? Yes, we were on spring break and we were in North Carolina. And apparently oh. we picked the right state to go in because when we left what was supposed to be warm San Antonio, yeah. you guys got a cold We had snap. one last little, yeah. I had friends that were actually, he takes his daughter and they go tenting, like camping in tents over a spring break. And they went to Big Ben. They go there frequently. West Texas. Yeah, they're in West Texas. And they went the weekend before, that first weekend of spring break. And then the following weekend, they got a big snowstorm. And he's like, well, that would have been really well, rough. Miserable. <laughs> yeah, North Carolina was nice, though. So you missed the cold front here. And I think it was cold probably a little bit. North. It was chilly. I was in Virginia for a little bit of the yeah, time. That it you was were. chilly. I mean, we were like 30s in the morning and, and highs of 50s to 60s. But God, it's a dry air. So it's mm, so much different. nicer. Besides that, you feel like you're dust. But I mean, I constantly felt like my skin was like lizard skin. But... I didn't have that damp, wet feeling. So I'm just going to clarify to our listeners, those of you in North Carolina, she did not refer to you as lizards. No, so I same. like what? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, moving forward, what's up with you? Uh, normal, normal, just busy and running around myself. And uh, oh, it's good. I'm ready for spring weather and rustic camping. Going to mm-hmm. do some of that soon ourselves. We so. have to give a late shout out. Your daughter had a birthday. She did. Uh, she she was big 17 <gasps> yesterday. Yeah, oh, my six. goodness. Hard to believe. Where did the time go? Happy birthday, Sora. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good stuff. By the time this comes out, it'll be a lot later. But the <laughs> intent was there. Don't no, worry. Yeah, it's so. kind of you to remember that and say that. That's fun. Yep. All good there. So, all right, let's roll into what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, we've got today. a good guest, as always. I feel like I say that every time we do okay. this, but it's true. We have good guests. She's a hoot because a hoot. A hoot. All right. Yeah, it must be an East Coast thing. It's an East Coast thing. So it, when I usually will like pre-interview, you know, just to have them understand what's going on. I just randomly pick you people and you, and you actually conduct and many interviews before. Yeah. <laughs> I always find it goes quicker. It's a little quicker. <laughs> anyway, her and I, as a like, I don't know, hour and a half or two hours, she's hysterical. Oh, and, I can't and wait. she's a badass. So we'll hear some of this. I got to tell you about her because this, and I'm going to read this, but then I'm going to tell you where the badass part is. So. She has worked with Veteran Treatment Court. Well, let me, I should say the name first, right? Yeah, they want to know who we're talking to. (laughs) Laura Balo. 
And she right now is the Como County Veteran Treatment Court Coordinator. Okay, She's worked with Veteran Treatment Court for almost six years in many different capacities. So she started as a military veteran peer coordinator. And as you know, we interviewed Mike Fogarty, who is actually the current one, right? That's right. Um, And then he, she works and she was coordinating the mentor program. And then she moved on to be a case manager for the Hayes County Veterans Treatment Court. And now she's a veteran treatment court coordinator for Comel County. Plus, she's actually a veteran herself. She's been, oh, she's current in the Navy Reserves for nice. like the last 15 years. But here's the badass part. Oh, that wasn't it? What you just described? No. Oh, there's more. No, no, no. The but, ba- wait, but wait. But wait. <laughs> the badass part is that she has six kids and two uh, six-month-old twins. Oh, wow. It's still... And she's doing most of it on her own because her dear husband works in solar energy is out of state most of the month. I, I'm almost so she's handling all of this with little babies at home getting no yeah. sleep. So when we were trying to coordinate like to do the podcast, she's like, "Hey, I'm going on my annual tour." So for civilians in the reserves, you know, you do you hear the two weeks a year, one mm-hmm. week in a month thing. And so her two weeks was in the reserves was coming up. And I was like, oh, you must be looking forward to sleep. She's like, yes. <laughs> so no, that's amazing. You. Laura Vale, thank you for coming thank you. on. Thank um, you for having me. Yes, yes. So I kind of gave your, your backstory because it really is impressive. But um, t- can you talk to us about how you actually kind of got into like 15 years ago, how you started with all this? So <clears throat> I joined the military. Um, uh, so I was in high school, and I would, I, and I got out of high school. I was, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> so I uh, started working at um, a correctional facility, the state prison in Texas, and uh, as a correctional officer. Wow. Um, wow. And then um, figured that I didn't want that to be my whole life. So I decided I wanted to see more than good old just West Texas. And so I joined the military, joined the Navy active duty. So I was uh, for six years active duty, um, decided I wanted to expand my family. Didn't know it was going to expand as much as it did. <laughs> uh, so I uh, uh, got off active duty and um started, uh, went to college, started my career. Uh, and then I just happily accidentally fell into veterans court. I had no idea what it was. Uh, never had heard of it before. Um, I started as a veterans peer network, uh, <clears throat> which actually brought me over to central Texas, uh, from West Texas. I, I was ready for a change, put in some random applications and, and, uh, found the veterans peer network and loved it loved working with the justice involved veterans it was my I I just saw such great amazing things come out of it so I knew that I had to work in actually hands-on veterans court so as soon as opportunity popped I jumped at it (laughs) hey Laura just for our listeners what what was your uh, specialty in the Navy when you were active so when I was active, it was a, a communications technician uh, in the Navy. It's called interior communications electrician. Um, but then when I got off active duty and went into the reserves, uh, I became a, a legal man. So basically a paralegal for all the JAGs. Okay. I can kind of see a little bit of the connection yeah, then with, <laughs> yeah, with what you're doing today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was definitely you, a happy accident. <laughs> yeah. And you've had a lot 
like you've done a lot of different angles within the system, you know, which is impressive. Yeah, it's it's it, and it's kind of strange how it all. I've never actually like had a. This is how it's going to be. It's just always kind of happened that way. So I originally was as a correctional officer, and then when I got off active duty uh, and got my degree, my actual first job was with CPS, mm. uh, Child Protective Services, um, mm. investigator. And then I kind of fell into the veterans court portion. So it's kind of, I've done, again, it's never been something I'm just like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. It just kind of fell into place. <laughs> so, and I love it though. I, I, I wouldn't change any of it. Minus well, I, the uh, protective services. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what the terminology is, Laura, but you know, I, I think our destiny, our future meets us where we're at. So, I mean, you've done some things, whether you sought them or not. An opportunity presented itself. You said yes. You did them, and it just kind of prepared you then it for did. the next endeavor, the next endeavor. And now here you are, and and Donna, you know, became aware of this veterans court process, and then educated me, and it's what led us to begin doing this series because yeah. we think it's such a a unique thing. We know it's not only here; it's everywhere. No, but most counties have them, in but the it's US, yeah. but it's unique. I I think you know yeah. that I had not heard of it prior to. So it's it's really fun getting to hear your story, and we're getting to hear soon. Yeah, you know your role in inside of all of this. Yeah. What um out of we'll get to what you do right now, but out of all the different jobs that you've had, which one in the veteran court was your favorite, or has been? This so when I was the coordinator, the the case manager, it was very similar to basically what I'm doing now. Uh, what I'm doing now is just more uh, inclusive. So it, as a case manager, I just work directly one on one with the veterans. Now I'm more of like I pretty much everything. I, I handle the grant funds and also getting the veterans in. So I'm kind of more of a doing all the the switching up of everything. But uh, so I I just love being able to work with the veterans one-on-one, figuring out how to help them and doing so. I, I love that part of it. That's neat. We've interviewed, uh, you know, a couple people so far, and we've got a couple more to go that all throughout the Comal County Veteran Treatment Corps. And, and it's interesting because you can tell, even though we're interviewing you guys separately, that there is a lot of passion there. And you seem like to have a very good team you know, and we, Judge Stevens and Mike Fogarty were constantly teasing each other about who got interviewed first and who gets to go first. And, you know, yeah. it's just, it's nice. It's nice to see that something that's really tough because that is tough when somebody has been, you know, doing their thing and then they run into rough times and they make some really bad decisions. You know, it's nice to know that there's a team there that really does have their best interest. So it's it's refreshing, you know. Yes, I and I love working with the team um, because it to me it's just such a great opportunity to get all different mindsets and mind frames and perspectives on different things and bringing them all together and and coming up with uh, a plan for one individual. I mean, we're, it's this program uh, and the court is such individualized, and that's what I love about it the most. You know, one shoe doesn't fit all. It, I love it. It's all different sizes and shapes and and backgrounds and all of those things. And so that's what I love about our team and every team I'm sure that's out there is that just having all those perspectives coming in at once. And I love that you said that, Laura, that 
it's not one one thing fits all, right? Because there's yeah. this mentality. I experienced this in my Air Force career. Maybe you have too, but you sometimes hear things. I'm going to just paraphrase. It's not necessarily the exact way it would have been said, but hey, what's the going rate for? Like somebody makes a bad choice and it's like there's this set predetermined this is the mm-hmm. way to adjudicate that yeah and hearing you say that it sounds like you're truly that you all are truly taking in the individual the unique circumstances to that individual and the case in and of itself absolutely and that's what i love about the veterans treatment program in in general just i love that it's not you know a check the box kind of thing like oh he he got arrested for this. Now this is his punishment. Like, no, right. it's more to that. There's a background and a backstory and a life that, that go is behind that decision. So let's go from there. Yeah. The why behind it, because mm-hmm. her why and his why and her why are all different. Why well, the circum- well, the circumstances yeah. too, right? Yeah. I mean, the things we've experienced individually. How and, we respond because oh, of it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you have people that are reacting versus responding, and that's where the bad decisions come in. And, you know, I've never done that. I, I, yeah. Anyway, Me <laughs> we're, just, we're all being honest here. We're just... <laughs> well, okay. I'm glad I got two angels in there. My life is a happenstance and they, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> all rolls no, into we're there. We're all I promise you, same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. But, you know, my my brother said this, I said this on another podcast, he, he um, referred somebody to me that that was, um, he's writing his story. And he wanted, he's like, Donna, talk to him. And I said, okay, so we were, and he's not a veteran, but he ended up making some bad choices, ends up in jail and comes out of it. And so my brother and I were talking and he says to me, you know, the only difference between him and I, and I was like, you didn't get caught. He goes, exactly. (laughs) He's like, that's the difference. I Uh, made really bad choices too. I think that's real and should sit, you know, sink home with everyone. Oh, absolutely. We've probably all done things. Absolutely. And you just bite your nails a little going, ooh. So. Hey, I'm sorry, real quick. Laura, I should know this. I'm just going to declare to our listeners, you know, my naivete. Uh, You, this is a paid position for you or you have volunteer no it's a paid position okay all right so this is this is your career outside of when you're fulfilling service to to your country right as a navy reservist so appreciate that yeah these but when you started out laura did you start from a place of just i'm volunteering i'm giving my time this is something i believe in Yes. So um, when I first heard of, of the Veterans Court, like I said, when I first got into the Veterans Peer Network position, I didn't know that Veterans Court existed. And so when I uh, came across it, I was just dumbfounded at what an amazing program that is out there that can help. So I was all about volunteering. How can I help? How can I make it better? And then when the opportunity came up that a position, a paid position came up, I said, yes, please. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I love that. And Laura, the reason I asked that it's, it's uh, because I, Donna and I've spent a lot of time speaking to our listeners, trying to say to them, it's okay to not know mm-hmm. what you want to do. But you know what? If if you have a heart to serve and help others, particularly other veterans, uh, you may end up 
uncovering something that lights your soul on fire, right? That just gives yeah. you life. And, and that's, and I hear that from you. I see that. That's what Donna's kind of shared with me about you, all of you that are involved in this. So you started off as a volunteer, found something you just really love and look what happened later. So that's why I wanted to draw that out, Laura. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I feel like when that, up, you know, you've, again, I, I never saw myself doing uh, any of this. And so, um, but it definitely, like I said, lit a fire in me. I definitely believe 100% in this program. It's not just because I'm getting paid. I believe it. I believe that it works for the people who want it to work. Uh, and I believe that all the team believes that too. We all are here because we truly want better for everybody. And it's just, I love it. I love that the, you know, all the, the, the team and it's just great. What, how does this, like you're, so you're a paralegal in the reserves and how do your, I know that there's a lot of cross skills in there and when you're at your reserve, I mean, I don't know how I'm saying this, like are you able to kind of educate people like you have a little more foresight? Like, let me give you an example. My, my daughter is a little bit on a um, sassy streak right now. She she loves, she's almost 12. And she loves coming back with the sarcasm, which I don't want to, you know, hinder and you can be witty and all that. But reading the room is kind of important. And so she hasn't been reading rooms lately. And um, recently her teacher... I don't remember the comment, but it was a little witty. And the teacher's like, oh, okay, Miss Hoffmeyer, well, you can come into the study hall with me. And she's like, oh. And I said <laughs> to her- the tension. It's called the tension in my name. <laughs> it's probably like a positive way to say detention, right? And so I, I just said to her last night, I said, listen, I said, you're 11 and you, this little frontal brain isn't fully developed and you can't foresee because you don't have enough experience behind you. But I am telling you as your mom, who is also a little witty sometimes, that you need, I can foresee that if you keep going in this direction, going, hanging out with your teacher is going to be the least of your problems. Mm. And so, you know, like, do you translate over when you're in your reserve job, like looking at these guys and like maybe in girls, but mentoring or advising or dropping a little hint? <laughs> Absolutely. It's funny that you say that. So, you know, I was just on my annual training uh, in Bahrain and I had, I was kind of doing um, administrative separations for people who are kind of not doing on the right path in the military. Um, And so I got an opportunity to talk to one of them. And I I was mentioning, you know, I get that, you know, military might not be for everybody. And this might have not been your end goal. But you might want to think when you get out um, of, of making sure that you're on the right path. Like, do you have a plan when you get out? Because at this point, you know, the administrative separation was inevitable and he was going to be removed from the military. Mm. Do you have a plan? What's your plan? You know, I definitely kind of studied and, and said, you know, because this is what I do in, in my civilian life and I would hate to see you. <laughs> I don't want to see you in, in that capacity. That's true. Um, so let's let's get it figured out now. You know, he had gotten into trouble for, with some drugs in the military. So, you know, Figure this out now, get help because it's not going to get any better when you get out. <laughs> I assure unless you choose to make the right choices. I, I love, I just had to reflect back to you sharing a story about your daughter, though. You said she's kind of in this sassy place right now. And I was about to say, so she's 
modeling after what she sees. In me. I'm just kidding. But you, you, you know, but you are witty. That's true. You are witty. And I'm and trying I, to read the room a little. No, a hundred percent. You do. I'm just, I'm just having fun. But I, I think that was such a great question. Yeah. To yeah. Laura, because Laura, you are in that position to have a little deeper insight into, and, and sometimes we don't, that's one more thing, right? From yeah. an emotional maturity, I call it emotional intelligence. One more thing we don't sometimes think of in the moment, this is what's going on. But there's there could potentially be some long term consequences to these things. And somebody I would much rather have somebody in my life who cares about me enough to sit me down and say, maybe we should talk. Yeah. Right. Are you aware of that or do you have a plan for? Well, and what I see, too, because so when I was in the military, I I was a nurse and my last um, seven, eight years, I worked kind of at a headquarters, I kind of do like what you did, but I do it on the clinical side. So I was a technically a case manager, but I worked like at a headquarters level. So we helped manage their care into the hospitals or wherever they needed it and, and try to pave the path so they could get the care, you know? And what I started seeing over and over was when they were getting told, hey, you might be going through an MEB, which at least they get some financial compensation for it, but the military is saying we're done, right? And they would get, they would go through grieving, essentially. They would get so angry. And so if you catch them at the point that they're angry and they're separating, that's a dire consequence. Mm. Because what they don't realize is that when they get out, this is all going to catch up with them and bite them harder. And so if it, for me, I was lucky in a way with them because I had them for sometimes a year or two and they would go through this grieving process and they would go through the denial and then the anger and you know, they go through all these stages and finally they get to a point where they're like, okay, I'm ready. And then they would start looking forward. And when you started seeing them kind of come to grips with it is when you could really start working with them saying, what is your game plan? And these guys were scared. And I say guys loosely, I mean, women also, they were scared to death, right? Because they're like, I'm the breadwinner. Mm. Um, oh, I'm a police in the military. And I'm a police in the civilian side. I'm about to lose my entire identity. Mm. And my paycheck that goes with that, by the way. How am I going to feed my family, pay the bills, take care of them? I mean, we're, we're, and I say, when I say emasculating, I mean that in the male energy way, we're emasculating these people and we're taking away their identity. And then the military is like, Hey, I'm sorry, you, you are no longer retainable. Off you go, go have a good career, future, whatever you're going to do. Right. It's the people within the military, like yourself, Laura, that are like, whoa, Tiger, before you step out that door, let's get some game plans because I'm out there and I'm just telling you, you got some work to do. Right, exactly. And I also let them know in, in those types of situations where they're, we're scared and they don't know exactly, there are so many opportunities out here as well. I mean, yes, the military is a great, I always kind of put it as like the military is always like a great like comfort zone. Right. But when you're not in that bubble where, you know, you know, the, there's so many opportunities break out of that bubble and you can go nowhere but up. I mean, there's so many opportunities. You just have to look for them. Yes. Um, and so be excited. It's not a, it's not always a bad thing. That's right. Look for the good. Right. There is good. I have a question. 
what is your day-to-day look like? Like when you That's say good. you're the coordinator, so when Judge Stevens says, oh, Laura's the coordinator, I thought you managed all their schedules. <laughs> I, was, I went to you yeah. first. <laughs> I'm like, can they come to the podcast? Like mom. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah, no. Um, so my uh, role is to find the veterans who need this court. Mm. So um, from the very beginning, so I try um, to get them when they're first arrested. So if they're so in the jails there are forms to fill out that say like are you a veteran so if they self-identify as a veteran um i get notified hopefully um that there was a veteran arrested so then i kind of talk to them if their case or if they're arrested what they're arrested for kind of fits our profile because we're only a misdemeanor court so if felony or higher there's not much i i can do but i can always refer them to services like do you have are, are you veteran you know uh, va eligible let's get you some service are you homeless you know so i can kind of look at those things uh and point them in the right direction in that aspect but i get them hopefully when they're arrested get the case uh kind of pushed along quicker because they are a veteran and they could potentially come into veterans court um and then you know make get them in the right steps to come into veterans court. So you have to, you know, fill out application and your case has to be approved by the district attorney's office and, um, you know, those types of steps. And your attorney has to allow you to be able to come into vet court too. Um, so I, that's, that's part of my job. And then the other part of my job is once they're in, um, kind of scheduling the court hearings, um, you know, m- making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing on a not probation level. So, you know, the probation officer makes sure that they're doing all of their probation skills, but I'm making sure in life, how are you doing? Are your job going well? Is your personal life going well? If not, how can we help you? Um, in those type of aspects, just kind of like the all around, how is everything? <laughs> just making sure everything, and then scheduling everything for the purposes as well. I have a question inside of that, Laura. First, I wanted to acknowledge to our listeners. I don't know if they can pick it up through the podcast, but we in my studio where we're at, we're probably six miles as a crow flies from an Air Force base. And and they're logging their sorties today, right? So the sound of freedom is is uh, evident today outside the window. There's also, actually, they're doing a POW MAA event oh, today are they really? also. Oh, so that, there's, would, that would probably there's be. There's formation flying going that would, on. That would be what we're hearing. Yes. Uh, Laura, my question to you is this. Love, again, thank you for what you're doing uh, for our veterans. Uh, in particular, I, you know, I love that you said we want to find out as quickly as we can. The earlier in the process, the better. I, I love that you clarified it's misdemeanor cases that the Veterans Court can oversee. Uh, if someone identifies on a form as a veteran, do you all do diligence to truly validate whether that person is? Because we all know, and I think it's a very, very small number, but we all know there are stolen cases valor. of stolen valor, right? Where Absolutely. someone tries to take credit mm-hmm. for something they did not do. So how do you all verify? So we um, have a veterans uh, officer, their title is veterans justice outreach officer. So we verify with them. And then there's also a system called VRSS. And I don't, don't ask me what it stands for because I have no idea, but they also do verification that they are veteran status. um, And uh, so we kind of go off those. And we also require to come into the court, we have to have uh, a DD-214 or a VA form, something like that, because we are grant funded. 
Do y'all look then, Laura, as a follow-on to that, when you get someone's 214 or any other kind of information, do y'all look for patterns that may already exist out there, right? If this person is starting to show that they are they have repeatedly made poor choices, let me say that. Mm -hmm. uh, praying that's not true, but I assume there could be some. Do y'all yeah. look at that differently or still yes. the same criteria? No, absolutely. For me, um, you know, we, we when I look at their DD-214, I immediately look at their discharge code and see what they're discharged for. And I would say more oftentimes than not, that they come out, they get out with some sort of um, drug or alcohol uh, offense that they had gotten removed from the military. Mm -hmm. so most of the time, I would say, uh, you know, obviously there are some that went through their career and did fine. But a lot of the times I noticed, and for me, you know, sometimes in the, you know, in, in the real world, whenever you're talking to people and you say, Oh, did you know, you got out honorably? Oh, it's other than that's such a bad thing for me. That is not a bad thing because it shows that you obviously needed help. You didn't get that in the military. I'm sure that they might've tried, but you didn't get it then. And you have a pattern of go, something going on that shows that you do need, you need this court more than anything. How many times that you just said something that's making little red flags go off on me. How many times when you get them out and the, when you receive them and they have a drug or alcohol related incident, how many times do you find out the why behind that is related to um, PTSD or some kind of mental health issue? And they're using would, it as coping. Yeah, I would say almost every single time. It, so, it's rare that it's not. Okay, so this is a very interesting situation. So me being in the military and working with these guys in the military, there is actually a, a rule and it it's called, um, of course I'm blanking out, but they can go into a dual status where, well, you probably, I don't know if you know this legal, you should, I guess, um, where they, if it is alcohol drug related and they can say that's connected to the mental health issue, they shouldn't, they should be medically boarded. They should not be separated. Yeah, unfortunately that's not, that's not often the case. I don't think, at least I have not seen it that way. Most of the time it's like drug or uh, alcohol failure, alcohol rehabilitation failure. Um, right. Get, so so what they'll do, and I've seen this too many times to count, they will take somebody that is drinking. We'll just use that for an example. And then they're like, oh, you know, you didn't come to work. And oh, we found you drunk in your room. ADAP. So they send them to ADAP. And let me just tell you, it ain't going to be successful. Why? Yeah. Because they need a dual diagnosis program because mm -hmm. nobody's, the, the drinking isn't the why, the PTSD or the mental health or whatever is the why. And mm -hmm. so I, I have come into so many of these cases, it it's sickening. And they're like, oh, they failed ADAP. I'm like, of course they did. You didn't put them in the right program. Let's go right. do the right program. And they're like, oh. And so when that happens and there's nobody there to like kind of cut in between that, this is what happens. Now they get sent out the door mm -hmm. and and they're left. And then here we are with a high number of people that end up in veteran treatment court. Super frustrating to me. Yes, I agree. That and then also whenever they... Um 
you know, if they test positive on a, a UA in the military, it's an automatic removal. Well, I say automatic, most of the time, automatic removal, if they're eligible for separation. It's board. supposed to be, they're supposed to go back through their medical record. They're supposed to connect. So there is a, there's a, a I don't know if it's DOD level. I think it's DOD level, but guidance where let's say the best example I was given, let's just say you test positive for crack and you have asthma, right? They're not related. You, you're, right. you know what I mean? But if you tested positive for crack and you had PTSD and there's a correlation on when this started. Now, if you were using crack from day one in the military and somehow could hide it, that's probably not related to the PTSD, but if they correlate that with when the PTSD was roughly, you know, they mm -hmm. could find the point of when it started, they are not supposed to be removing them right. at all. Right. They are supposed to be medically boarding them. And I see the military use it as a foul all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that. Just to backtrack, you said UA. Sometimes our listeners, I think some of them aren't all veterans, and uh, we yes. three know, but just to clarify, uh, you're an analysis test, I assume you mean, mm -hmm. right, UA? Yes. So those are, you know, routine things that uh, any serviceman or woman uh, knows they can uh, be subjected to at any given time. Yeah. Uh, and so mm -hmm. that that is one more, hopefully, I don't know, boundary in place that is intended hopefully we, to keep people making better choices, right? But you never know. We weirdly always got tested. They always said it was random, but I don't know. You go to Amsterdam. Oh, right when you come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> randomly I, got I, I randomly, that happened to me numerous times, you know. Yes. Funny. I have been randomly selected yeah. many, many, <laughs> many, many times. Hey, here's my question for you, Laura. Uh, I mean, your heart's already been on display. You've talked about how much you thoroughly enjoy what you do. Uh, what breaks your heart when it comes to this program? What is it that, you know, maybe it, it's infrequent, but what do you find most challenging about what you do? A veteran who fails out of the program, meaning that they are just not on board with getting help. No matter how much we shove it down their throat, they just don't swallow it. Uh, they just won't, um, they don't get the help they need, unfortunately. They're, you know, you, you know, an active participative role. And right, right. So like, uh, for example, I had uh, not here in Comal County, in another county, in Hayes County, when I was working there, we had an individual and he was a really bad uh, alcoholic, really bad. Um, they had told him that his kidneys, if he continued on the, and he was young, he was only, I want to say 34, 33. And they told him if they continue, if he continued, his, his liver would, would quit. And, and he wanted it. He wanted help. He, he, he begged for it. So he, but he's, it was a disease. And so he just couldn't get it under control. So we finally, after many, many attempts of inpatient treatment and, and, you know, all of those things, um, and he was doing so well. So our, and you know, usually the program is around 12 months. Um, he had been in it almost two years and he was doing so well. He had a great job, was sober, was living with his girlfriend. I mean, it was just such a great, all these things. He was, he was homeless whenever he came into the court, um, jobless, uh, you know, it was horrible. So he'd done just 
great things while in the program. And uh, he was only like two weeks from graduation, relapsed and died. Oh. Uh, he got into a car accident and died. And that was absolutely heartbreaking because we had worked, he had worked so hard. Yeah. Uh, you know, we and, and I put my heart into it. I mean, I really do. I, I care about these individuals. Um, very much. I care about their well-being. I want them to succeed and do well, you know, do great things in life, all the things that they want. So when I see something like that or someone who just doesn't, uh, cannot get the help they need, then it's heartbreaking for me. Yeah. Yeah. That That is a tough one. I've seen that quite a few times. I think, I think the success rate, though, lower for you uh, all, for what you're doing, it's really high that yeah, most absolutely. of them appreciate somebody being so thorough and helping to untangle is the word I'll use some of these things and then give them that second chance Yes, uh, that the vast majority of people who you all agree to bring into the program, finish the program and go on to be successful. Correct. Yes. Very high percent. I want to say it's like 96% That's awesome. people complete it and for two years after do not get rearrested. So the recidivism That's very That's well. Amazing. What's your, uh, do you know roughly what your percentage of officers versus enlisted is? You... Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head, like the exact percentage, yeah. but I would okay. say, um, it's, I would say probably 98% uh, enlisted and very rare. I've only seen a few officers come through. But let's be real about that for the three of us sitting here, too. The numbers on the enlisted side far oh, yeah. outstretch the number of yeah, officers so in any of the services, right? Yeah. So it's a if it were like, disproportionate number to begin with. Yeah, well, realistically, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I just say that because if we have listeners again who aren't veterans who don't understand, true. could form a perception of them. Man, those people. Well, wait a minute. Right? Are, yeah, they're yeah, fun. yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, no, it it's, happens it's on both like, sides. The three of us know that there are people on both sides of the equation that make poor choices at times. So. I've never made it. I will say even too that even the amount of officers that I even see in in general like on a daily basis are very few anyway where I yeah. meet hundreds of enlisted and very yeah, yeah it's it's random definitely. officer on the street <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely well what do you think no it's really good Laura I I do have something I'll close with I put it out the other day and I and I thought of it and um I Laura I use quotes a lot uh, oh, not just on the podcast. I mean, it's who I am as a human being. If I read something and it resonates with me, I share it with others. If it's really meaningful, I hang on to it and it will crop up from time to time. So uh, in light of what we three were just talking about, uh, this is something I put out on one of my social channels just the other day. It's from Jocko Willink, Willink who is a uh, former Navy SEAL. And he said, you ultimately become who you are based on your choices, right? So we've all made poor choices. The three of us have said, yeah, okay, we've, you know, we've all done that for sure. Mm -hmm. This is an opportunity. The veterans court, the systems that are in place around the country, in the counties here in Texas, it's an opportunity to recognize that some of what we experience in the military is very unique. 
right? Trauma is real. Post-traumatic stress disorder is real. There are often uh, mitigating circumstances that should be considered. I'm not saying they always warrant it or always get it, but Laura, I just, as we start to wrap this up, I just want to say to you, I'm so thankful for all of you. Uh, appreciate your heart, appreciate you standing on point, still serving our country. You're serving them in two ways, in my opinion, both in your direct service in uniform as a reservist, and then two, still serving because you're still taking care of uh, our nation's veterans. So thank you is is really how I wanted to wrap up. I appreciate everything you are doing, you all are doing as a as a team. Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate it so much. And truly, I don't think that um, any one of us, including the veterans, would be as successful as we are or will be without support of of every, you know, everybody, any every individual that walks by and says to any veteran, you know, thank you for your service or thank you for what you do. I think that that's such a helpful, you know, kind of tool to push along and, and give us pride. And so thank you for your support and also your service. <laughs> so I appreciate that. I, I think that's one thing that part of the reason we do this podcast is to make people aware. And when I say people, I mean the civilians aware of why they're saying thank you. Because, you know, it's easy. I mean, I when I used to go, you know, into the grocery store and I would rarely go in in my uniform because it's sexist. And, and I know this sounds weird, <laughs> but I can't get through a grocery store without I had little kids come up to me and adults. And it was very, very kind. I need my groceries, though. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, <laughs> thanking I, you. Thanking you. Yeah, for the absolutely. Yeah. Thanking you. And that is great. Sometimes there's a part of me that wanted to say, why are you thankful? Not because I didn't love the thank you. But it's the why behind it. And I wanted people to really understand what they were saying thank you for. Because you're right, we are, the, the same reason we are in these environments, this is how we defend our country. I, I mean, we have to be in these austere environments, sometimes toxic environments. We are doing things that that nobody else wants to do, that's for sure. And And we're seeing things that nobody else should ever see that nobody period should see. But we're doing it because that's what it takes to defend our country. And we do it willingly, right? We give of ourselves. Um, and so if you're not in those shoes, you, I'm glad you say thank you. I'm very thankful when civilians come up and say that. But I want them to understand exactly and get the best feel that they can on why they're saying thank you, you know? So. Laura, what other thoughts from you? Did Was there something that, you know, as we stepped into this space together today, you kind of thought, you know, this is an important part that I want to make sure is mentioned or something that's weighed on your heart since we stepped in that maybe just didn't naturally or organically come out in our conversation. Anything else you want to share? No, nothing comes up, but I just want to implore all of the listeners, if anyone's listening and you know, if you've, or if you know, there's like veterans court around or or any type of veterans organizations and if you have a heart for it volunteer man it's it just does so much uh for not only the people that you're helping but also yourself you just feel great it's like such an awesome uh you know it just it's, it's such a great thing to to help out so and 
on that note, when she says volunteering in Kumo County specifically, they have a mentor program. Yeah, and so if you go volunteer, you are actually become a mentor to one of the veterans in the treatment court. And, and we talked about this on a previous podcast with Judge Stevens, that that is a private um, conversation between the mentor and the veteran. And it is not privy to anybody in the court system that is between them. Um, and it stays that way for a reason because they need that to be able to just release their emotion. Yeah. And and so mentors needed do it with a servant heart, men and women. But I think we've also discussed previously, previously there is a tremendous need for women, yes, veteran mentors. Is, yes, right? there uh, is. There is. So this time. So how many? One, one be- uh, veteran uh, mentor. You know. Yeah. And how how many women are in the court uh, on average? You don't have to give us numbers now, but. um, Usually on average between two and three. Okay. okay. Yeah. Time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a need out there to our listeners. Again, this is probably true no matter where you're listening from, but certainly we're speaking here in the central South Texas area. There is a need. And, uh, and if you have a servant heart and you want to get involved to, to do good for others, this is an opportunity. Absolutely. I'm going to leave you guys with this thought. Um, and I was just looking at this quote. It says, we expect our, sh- our, our soldiers to fight our battles, right? To defend our country. But later on, we should support them when they fight theirs. Mm. So, you know, in our civilian Powerful. population, when you see these veterans struggling or and you're not sure what to do, just a, hey, want to go for coffee or how are you doing can go a really long way. So you never, ever know when your interaction is going to be one that kind of maybe turns them around to a new direction or gives them a new thought or a new light. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Good stuff. We are going to wrap this up. Laura, thank you so much for being on our podcast. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. And for everybody that's listening, um, we are always thankful. We love it when you guys um, engage with us. If you have any comments or thoughts, um, please give them over to Coming Home Well. We get all the messages. And on behalf of Coming Home Well and our podcast, Beyond the Frontline, we hope you have a wonderful week. Take care, everybody. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Frontline, a podcast of Coming Home Well. Join us every other Wednesday. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. And until all are home and all are well.